welcome to another edition of the SBK betting podcast with myself, Jess Stafford, and my trusted tipsters, Ross Miller and Tom Collins. And this week, we are reveling off the back of a fabulous weekend of tipping from this podcast. You might have heard about us in the news. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. And if so, and you've come come here because of the back of the news, well, welcome. Um, the SBK pod always likes to deliver winners. And last week's podcast, seven out of the 12 selections one, both Ross and TC's naps uh, and next best landed as well as um, selecting winners of the two feature races. So we will blow our own trumpet for this week because um, TC and Ross probably a little bit too modest to pat themselves on their back, but please do so. Ross, you found Real Stone at 15 to 8, Royal Pagai at 5 to 1 um, in the Big Betfair ch- Chase and Famous Bridge at 5 to 2 to finish off uh, Haydock and Fabulous Style. And TC... The Thames Boatman, 7-1. to one. And I have to say, a shout-out to the weekly all-weather nap. I know you won't be able to put <laughs> one up this week because we don't have all-weather racing. But there might be a few people who are a little bit frosty about uh, the all-weather selections. But and you don't need to follow the all-weather racing this winter. But if you don't, you'll be missing out on the winners. So the Thames Boatman at 7-1. to one. And then, of course, Slate Lane at 5-1. to one. And actually, you have to mention thoughts to the connections of Slate Lane because after his, his victory, his brilliant victory, he was... Uh, a nasty tendon injury that he picked up in the race and he's now out for um he's he's he will not be able to run again so a real a real loss um but hopefully he'll get through um whatever surgery that he needs to do and um he'll be he'll be back and, and able to retire okay um rep, uh, for myself um again Royal guy five to one and a blue king Daru at four to one so 253 pounds 75 profit from a 10 pound win stake so it's not too bad. Um, and yes, I can continue, continue to gloat, but I have to say this all came back of, of, of a weekend where we were a little bit downbeat about the shape of the field sizes, the lack of top grade horses in the big races. It was all the other um, sort of complementary races that were really competitive. But I suppose this weekend didn't come without its own share of drama as well. And um, Ross, well, we can talk about all of our winners, and I love to, and especially Royal Guy, because that was really heartwarming. But one of the horses that we didn't even mention, the race we didn't mention last week because of the, the lack of depth, really, uh, was the Ascot Chase. And Shishkin, an old friend of the podcast, and every time he runs, I think we try and work him out. You've done, you've tried to do this in the past. Remember when they put the tongue tie on the first time? You were brilliant about explaining why they did that and, and what that what that would aid him. Last week, cheap pieces come on for the first time and he decides to plant himself before the start, refuses to race and game over. Can you, as our resident expert when it comes to trying to understand horses' minds, make head or tail of that? Uh, I think you can to a degree. Like it's not, it's not come completely out of the blue, is it? He's clearly a, a moody horse. I mean, I am, I'd be pretty up there in the Shishkin fan club. I absolutely love him. And I was very confident that he'd have kicked Pick Dory out of the way give, if he'd put his best foot forward. And that's exactly what didn't happen. But then when I saw him declared with cheek pieces, that put me off mentioning him. You know, I was prepared to put my head above the parapet and, and give him a little shout last week. And the cheek pieces were on. And that got me thinking not so much that maybe he'd been moody at home, but maybe he'd not been excelling in his work at home. Because I would have thought that cheap pieces might have come later in the season maybe and you know first time out after a break you'd expect him to have traveled with enough zest 
and then just thinking back on it, and I, I tend to do all my thinking when I'm mucking out horses and carrying buckets around in, in the rain. And I was thinking, they, they definitely mentioned previously that he's a little bit claustrophobic and he likes a bit of space. They mentioned that after he ran badly at Cheltenham uh, last season. He didn't like being in the monks around horses, was unhappy. Well, cheek pieces are designed to restrict their peripheral vision, which you could make an argument for would perhaps make a horse more claustrophobic so mm. I think it's no surprise they've dispensed with them I think Nicky Henson you know spoke a lot of sense about the fact that he's facing away from away from home and you know I don't know about anyone else's horses but my horses walk back home quicker than they walk away from home most of the time um it's it's not hard to sort of pick away at I think at Newcastle he should be fine because cheap pieces are gone he's facing towards home um the the big question would just be whether once he's going, he stays going. I mean, he could could do a mic bite and try and hang off the track around the bend. I mean, that's the big concern. I think in terms of ability, he's got more than enough ability to to, to win this rehearsal chase off off a, off a lofty mark and a and a big weight. And it's not really a big weight because he carries virtually that in graded races anyway. So it's just that he's conceding a lot of weight. Um, I think it'd be an interesting race. Um, and I, I hope he bounces back because he's definitely the sort of horse we need around to make the, the three-mile chase division, which is already sort of blown wide open after Galloping Deschamps got beat at the weekend. It's already an interesting division, and he'd just add another another angle to it as well. Yeah, and when you think about it, Lom Press won this rehearsal chase off 12 stone last year, up-and-coming, serious talent of a horse, but hadn't inarguably achieved as much as Shishkin has coming into this equally off 12 stone. Um, I love to see it. I think... Uh, fair play to Nicky Henderson for giving this horse the opportunity to run in, in a race like this. And, you know, we should see more of it. We saw it with Stage Star with nearly top weight um, the other day at Cheltenham. But it is, it's not about his ability, is it? It's about, you know, his mind and what he wants to do. So I wonder, I wonder, you know, a, a bit of travel up to Newcastle as well. He doesn't, he sort of extends tens by entry to stay sort of close around to home, to uh, sort of home area. The travel might be interesting to see how it gets through that, but. I, my first thought, and I, again, just a quick question to you, Ross, is that horses, they start do as they get older, start to think about things a little bit more and they start to, they get a little bit wiser, they understand what they're doing. And sometimes they just think, actually, I know what you're asking of me today. And no, not today, but maybe the next day I'll be a different horse. Yeah, and he's shown that, hasn't he? You know, he's back, he's bounced back, bounced back more than once. Nicky Henderson referenced in his interview with Luke Harvey, um, which I thought Luke Harvey did really well to get, by the way. You know, it was clearly that Nicky Henderson didn't want to speak, but unfortunately it's one of those occasions where you don't want to speak, but actually we'd quite like to know what you think. And and he referenced that he is a, I think he said, difficult to manage at home. He takes some managing. Now, whether that, in hindsight, and I've had it with horses before that have been tricky to manage and my my instinct to start with has been to sort of massage their ego and, and tiptoe around them. And that works for a year or two years or three years. And then all of a sudden they sort of let you down. You look back and think, actually, you're taking advantage of me a little bit now and I need to get a little bit firmer with you and and not sort of indulge you so much in your little idiosyncrasy. So that might well have, you know, occurred this week at, at Seven Barrows, you know, that Shishkin's had to toe the line a bit more rather than being treated like royalty. I, I don't know. It'll be really interesting. And I, and I do hope he comes back because he's a super horse for you know, in, in my mind, the best trainer in the country and, and one of the finest jockeys. Yeah, I heard something about, you know, what they could do to shake up his sort of routine. I know full well, having 
been been there enough and seen what they did with with the likes of Buzz even that they can give horses so many options they allow them just to go hack around go off and into the woods and sort of have a bit of a change of routine just to sort of sweeten them up a little bit I heard someone somewhere talking about um doing a bit of cross country just sort of giving them something to think about that's not just the same routine every day so whatever they're they're going to do they've been around enough to have horses that they can kind of sweeten up a bit but that will be Shishkin we'll we'll see him at Newcastle on, on Saturday we'll also see Constitution Hill on Saturday uh, at uh, in the fighting fifth um two races that we're not going to preview Constitution Hill's race I think it explains itself not a betting race um the constitution hill will be long odds on to to back up that victory but this weekend is also uh, the weekend that we um enjoy another renewal of the hennessy what, what we all would really call the hennessy gold cup um we've got 20 runners going to post we've had declarations out uh, we saw during uh, the early stages of the of the entry list a really fine quality lineup of horses some a lot of young pretenders as well and the betting is really dominated by the, the sort of younger age group the seven the six year olds the sort of the horses that are really making their name in this in the chasing division now as opposed to older types tc i was going to ask you first from a a, a, a range and what we've seen in this race gone by and maybe stats and age of horses and what you like to see from a weights perspective have you seen a shift with this race because you know years gone by it used to be sort of dower stayers who could lump around big weights but now looking back and sort of past results it's those younger uh, younger legs that seem to be dominating this race yeah exactly younger horses do very well uh, three of the last seven favorites have won the hennessy or the coral gold cup or whatever it's called now um, and also, you don't want top weight in the race. It's not too bad having maybe the range between 11 stone, 11 five, but the top weights generally struggle. So that's kind of the range you want to be in. I'm looking more towards the unexposed types, the younger horses, as you've mentioned just there. Okay, so um, as mentioned, we'll, we'll take you through what we've got, um, who's lining up, complete unknown, Harry Cobden and Paul Nichols. Uh, Marla Mission um, has been declared for John McConnell. We've got Mobbeg Genius for the O'Neill team. Stumptown's over from Gavin Cromwell. Danny Mullins is on board and an uh, interesting jockey booking that. Midnight River, uh, Harry Skelton and Dan Skelton looking to... Um, uh, looking to give them a win after success in this last year got stolen silver and Ahoy Senor is the one that's got that top weight of 12 stone um so Ross I'll come to you first as I said really nice horses some horses that we we have enjoyed watching over the last couple of seasons and improve and improve and I think complete unknown really is that um a totally different proposition over fences and it's Paul Nichols at his best, plotting out a path for a horse. And he's had this race in his mind for some time now. And he seems, off a racing of 152, to have a nice racing weight for a race like this as well. Yeah, I think he's. I, I think he'll end up this season higher than this rating of 152. I've put him up anti-post on our National Hunt preview pod. I'd just be a bit concerned for him about the lack of rain. I think he's probably a better horse on softer ground. The trip might still drag his stamina into it. Um, I thought it was a nice prep run at Newton Abbott. You know, people said he sort of fell in, but he wasn't going to be cherry ripe for that. That would be some way short of his of his best sort of trip and, and probably on a sharp enough track as well. And he is a second season novice, but you will get lots of sound bites of, oh, you want to look for a second season novice. And they have got a good record in it, but they haven't won it for the last three years. Lemilos wasn't a second season novice, neither was Cloudy Glen, and neither was, was Cloth Cap. They were all sort of season chases. Mm. Um, so I do like Complete Unknown. He's a shorter price now than he was when I put him up, so I can can leave him alone. 
Um, just to go through a few of them and, and why I sort of took them out. Uh, you've got Marla Mission. Well, John McConnell's just having a terrible time. But hasn't had a winner in 50 days. And then when you look, his last 34 runners, he's had four placed. And a lot of them are finishing nearer last than, than first. Monbeg Genius is a horse I absolutely loved last year. But I didn't like his return run at Ascot. And I know they said that it was the fact he got hampered that sort of, you know, finished him there. But I didn't think he jumped well. And maybe it was going right-handed. But the ground was a bit quicker there. It's going to be quicker here. I think he's better on soft ground, even though that Ultima form, I mean, it's just worked out brilliantly, hasn't it? You know, Corrit Rambler and fast or slow. Um, I could put a line through him for all he's talented. Stolen Silver was really good at Chepstow, but I worry about his stamina. Zanza, I mean... I was amazed to see you didn't didn't put him up because we know your love affair with him. And I, and I could, like, if he wins it, you, no one's going to sort of be completely surprised. But if he pulls up turning into the home straight, you wouldn't be surprised either. So you can't really go near him. Ahoy, senor, I worry about his jumping. Um, and, and it's just not his time of year. So I, I, I got it down to a short list of a few. Midnight River was on there. Um, I think he's going to love this ground. I loved him at Aintree. He stayed on really well. So this extra trip and this long straight at Newbury will will suit him. I have very little against him other than the fact I was a little bit underwhelmed how he went through the early part of the race in, in, in the Charlie Hall for all that Dan Scott's taken a run forward. But the only reason I left him really was just price and went for two bigger ones. Um, I would give a shout to Kitty's Light. I think he's gone under the radar. He's been running really well in hurdle races. He ran brilliantly uh, at Aintree over two and a half miles, finished like a train, got taken off his feet at Kempton. But also a race that might just have passed people by was the the Welsh Jump Jockeys Derby at Chepstow. Mm. Jack Tudor rode in there. It was over a mile four. They were raising money for Christian Williams' daughter, Betsy. He finished like an absolute express train over a mile four. And this horse that stays four miles. It's just the fact that he's going back over fence, having run over hurdles. He's not always the great fencer. I wonder if it's going to take him a couple of runs to get his eye back in. And Nick Scope was an excellent jockey, but I think he takes a bit of knowing. And, and Kitty's Light and Jack Tudor are just match made in heaven as far as I'm concerned. So I reluctantly left him alone, which left me with our power, who I loved for this race last year. In fact, I think I put him up as our anti-post selection on the preview pod this time mm-hmm. last year, and he missed it with an injury. He loves good ground. He was eye-catching in the 2022 Ultima behind uh, Corrett Rambler, finished like a train having got hampered on the turn in. Um, finished really well at Kempton over three miles really well at Ascot over three miles. I think he's crying out for this extended trip. He loves good ground. He had a prep run over hurdles, which tells me that this has been very much the target coming into the season. They didn't want to spoil his chasing mark. Um, Adam Wedge will suit this horse really well. Ride away patiently. Come with a strong late run. I do like his chances a lot, but I also love That's Right Gino. Now, he's double-entered Newcastle and Newbury, but this is his first preference. And again, for me, it's the ground factor. This ground is going to ride quick. There's no rain. bit of frost as well is only going to make it more lively. Um, he improved an absolute ton up to two mile four last year. Split stage style and unexpected party. Uh, outstayed um, uh, horse of uh, Ollie Murphy's called Thunder Rock. Uh, air in the, in the novice chase over two mile four. He started off as a two-miler, and there's not an awful lot in his pedigree that says he wants three miles, but I just think he's going to find more improvement again. And you can forget his run at Aintree. The ground was too soft. There were no fences. It was a it was a joke of a race, really, the old Roan. Um, I'm really excited to see what he can do up to Upton Trip. I would like to have seen him over three miles before he goes three and a quarter, but, but you know, that's just uh, something I have to take my 
medicine a bit. So those two are at big prices for me. Okay, Tom Cannon on replacing Gavin Sheehan, who's up at Newcastle. Um, read anything into Adam Wedge on board your selection, um, as opposed to the other horse. So Stolen Silver, it's got Sam on, Tristan Davis as in the other Sam Thomas runner. And Adam Wedge is on our power. Read anything into that? Is there, do you feel like Sam could have had the, had the option? No. Our power has generally been a Charlie Deutsch ride, hasn't it? Um, and Stolen Silver has been Sam's ride. So I, I would think it's just... I would be surprised if Sam Thomas hadn't sold, told Sam Tristan Davis that that's the one you're riding and Adam Wedge. And I could just see the parallel between the way Adam Wedge rides and the way Charlie Deutsch rides versus the way Sam Twiston rides and, and Charlie Deutsch. Yeah, an £11 swing. Our power's got a lovely racing weight of 10 5 doesn't he, um, for a race of this nature. OK, um, we've got uh, our power around about 20 to 1. And that's all right, Gino, whether he goes or not, 22 to 1. Um, so good each way prices for the Hennessy. And TC, what do you like in this with all the the, the stats that you, you like to read into and, and the fact that this is a, a probably a, a younger player race? For sure. Before we get into the race itself, <clears throat> can I just mention that this two days at Newbury this week uh, means a lot to me this year, especially Friday's card. Um, my best friend, unfortunately, Lewis Cooper, sadly passed away two months ago and we've sponsored this card uh, this week on Friday. Not the races, but the card itself. So if you are going, please have a fantastic time. Should be a good day. He used to love Newbury's and racing in general. Um, on to the race now. Super competitive is what punters want, right? Seven to one the field, lots of runners. Um, you can even play each way. And this isn't generally, like I'm not an each way punter. This isn't a race that I would generally play each way in, but I think it's got a good shape about it. So I'm going to be playing each way, four places. And Midnight River, I quite like his price at 10 to one. I think he's good value. You know, this horse represents Dan Skelton, who won this race last year with Amy Loss. Midnight River relishes big field handicap chases. He finished third in the Paddy Power. He won the New Year's chase at Cheltenham. He then won a 15-runner handicap chase at Aintree's Grand National Festival. So this is a horse that loves this kind of occasion. Now, he came back in uh, the contest last month where he bumped into Brave Man's Game and Gentleman's Game, the Charlie Hall. He wasn't primed for that. There was a four-runner field. It wasn't set up for him. And I actually thought he ran pretty well for a long way in that race as well. Um, so I'm happy to put a line through it. Dan Skelton's always said that this is the contest for uh, Midnight River at the start of this season, like it's the early season target. And I think he's pretty well handicapped as well. So given he's going to be 100% ready, a horse with tactical speed, a horse that will love the track, love the ground and love this kind of shape of race, I think Midnight River has to be the play. Okay, well, we we'll think of you and, and your mates for this weekend and also praying that there's going to be no issue with the frost, considering that there is minus temperatures here in the UK at the moment. And I know that Newbury will do absolutely everything. And the only thing that I can say is that it was about minus one when I was first up at seven o'clock and then it quickly rose and it's now beautifully and sun, sun, beautifully sunny. So hopefully um, the temperatures will just help us as, and rise quite quickly, but it is very cold overnight indeed. Okay, so Midnight River for TC to give Harry and Dan Skelton back-to-back victories in this race and they've had a, a fabulous week and I'm not surprised that you're still with them after the success of Real Stone last week as well. He's back at Newbury um, only seven days after winning so well, but their horses are in Fine, fine, fettle indeed. I was um, interested in this, just keeping tabs on who was declared, who's going to go elsewhere. And obviously we've mentioned that there were a couple at doubly entered, but I think there have been a few, like Complete Unknown, um, like probably Midnight River, who's been sort of set up for this race. And I think that's the same with with Monbeg Genius. He does have a PU next to his name from his first 
run back of the season where it all went terribly wrong at Ascot at, at the beginning of November. He had a bad um, jump at one of the fences and then he nearly lost Andre Neil Jr. at the next. And then he just gave him an easy time and, uh, and ease him out of the race, really. So you can put a line through that. But the form that he has from last season must be one of the best races that we've seen all year. That was the ultimate behind fast or slow. We've seen what he did uh, last week, beating uh, the Gold Cup hero, Gallopin de Champ. Corrick Rambler, who went on to win the Grand National, and Mumbai Genius was favourite for that race, or joint favourite for that race, and just was, I think, just slightly outstayed by them in the end. Um, but those are two classy horses. He needs to jump better, and I think the name of the game is just your jumping style. Who can? And we've loved watching this race in the past and seeing how horses just jump out for fun, and you've got to sort of use their enthusiasm. So that would be my concern with him. I wouldn't want him to be any shorter than around about eight to one. But I think that they would have got himself back into a fine vein of form to really show off what he can do and go back to what we saw him at his best last season. And talking of good jumpers, my um, real love for Twig, I hope will continue this week. A big step up in, in class and ask for him for the Ben Pauling team and also for young Bo Morgan, who's on, who's on board him. But I really liked the way that he went through his race at Cheltenham on his first run back of the season he'll definitely like this good ground whereas Monbeg Genius might just want it a little bit softer but Twig does appreciate a quicker surface he's a very fine jumper really have enjoyed the way that he's done things and I think we've talked about how um sort of his experience outside of um under in in point-to-point -point company has really helped him there so Twig had a Big 25 to 1 price uh, for an each way selection in the Hennessy. And so no pressure, guys. We've we've had, as I mentioned at the top of the show, really wax lyrical about last week. And I know, TC, you're even wearing the same clothes that you wore last week. Just to give us, <laughs> just to give us that little bit of, um, of, of good luck coming into this. So with the effort in mind, you know, I always struggle to pick who's going to go first. But... Just because you've added that little touch with that beaming face, <laughs> sitting in the sunshine, uh, what have you found for us for your Napa Next Best this week? Yeah, I wish I planned it, Jess. It was just merely the fact that <clears throat> I just don't have a stylist like you when I go abroad. Um, and as I'm in Riyadh, I've packed the smallest case ever. I should have chosen a different outfit. It definitely wasn't superstition, but there, there we go. Um, yes, no all-weather racing this week. Shout out to the three people that gave me abuse for an all-weather tip last week, by the way. Hope you're on that nap. Um, <laughs> That My lap's obviously going to come on the jumps, exactly. Uh, 12.45 at Newcastle, the French Furs, uh, novice, uh, novice Hurdle, and a horse called Choose a Copper. This race at 12.45 p.m., by the way. Um, Choose a Copper's a five-year-old. He had three starts in point to points. He failed to complete on his first two outings, despite showing promise in both of them. And then on his last start at Doorstown, he finished third to a, a promising type that's yet to run under rules. That was back in May. He subsequently moved to the Lucinda Russells and made his debut at Hexham last month. He was heavily punted. He opened up at five to two in the morning. I think he was sent off around four to 11, two to five ish. Uh, there was just a sustained period of money for this horse. And, you know, they quite clearly knew what they had. Now he was running over two miles and this horse just is not a two miler. He went straight to the front because they were trying to use his stamina. Um, and he did briefly look in a bit of trouble as they were climbing that hill coming into the home straight. But he used uh, his stamina in the closing stages and eventually drew clear for a nice and impressive success. Obviously, they're stepping up in trip. That was quite clearly just a prep to see what they had, to see if he could shake off the rust first time up under rules. Now he's running over two mile six. I'm expecting significant improvement from Choose a Copper, and hopefully he'll uh, back up that win at Hexham in the 12.45 and Newcastle. And the next best, 
is a horse called Bally Breeze. He runs in the 131 at Doncaster. Now, Sam Drinkwater's seven-year-old remains unexposed after just 11 outings, only six of which have come over hurdles, and he's recently been campaigned over fences. His last two starts over timber were actually in the spring of 2022, so it's been a long time since he's run in this kind of steer. But he looked a very well-handicapped horse on both of those occasions, finished a close-up second behind a runner from Paul Nichols' yard called Hacker de Place, who's subsequently £12 higher in the weight now. Then he finished third in a race that contained the likes of Sonagino, who he beat, and Deeper Blue, two unexposed horses, and that came at Exeter. Recently, his chasing has not gone to plan. And I know my rule is to not back a horse with a, a letter next to their name. However, however, I'm happy to uh, put a line through that run last time where he unseated at Cheltenham because he actually jumped the first fence very well and he just stumbled around 50 yards after the fence. So it wasn't a jumping mistake. Therefore, I'm happy to just completely ignore it. Yes, he did fall last time out last year. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's been a long time since that. So he's coming in here off a low hurdling rating of 111. That to me suggests he's very well handicapped. Toby Wynn takes the ride, taking off further weight. Again, a big pointer. And he's carrying bottom weight in the race. If Bally Breeze can't win this, then I'd, I'd be shocked. The 131 at Doncaster. Okay. You've heard it here first. The nap for Tom Collins is choose a copper and the next best is Bally Breeze. Right. With that in mind, Ross, over to you. What have you got for us? How can you uh, live up to last week's expectations? Well, I have changed my clothes, so let's hope it wasn't the clothes that brought the luck. Um, the nap comes in the 12.21 at Doncaster, and it's the Ben Pauling-trained personal ambition. He won at Warwick, despite jumping fairly moderately, and actually got the better of, I think, a pretty useful horse of Nicky Henderson called Jinko Blue, who was well-backed and sent off odds on. And, and this race came just at the period when Nicky started to have a, a fair few first-time out winners. Um, I think personal ambition's got plenty of improvement. He's only a four-year-old, carries a penalty here, but this looks significantly weaker on paper. There's very few unexposed in the horses in there. There's one from the Greenland and Guerrero yard who might be possibly unexposed, but didn't hit a high level in France. Everything else in and around him, I think we've got the measure of of them. So yes, he's got a penalty, but I'd be disappointed at uh, but new at Doncaster in the 12:21. Personal ambition couldn't win that. And then the next best does come down at Newbury, and it's a Nicky Henderson trained Jet Powered, who was probably about favourite uh, this time last year for the Supreme Novices Hurdle, mm. um, and then blew out badly uh, back at uh, Newbury in a very strange race on a soft ground, where if you remember that absolute mad thing of um, Gary Moore's called Jupiter de G, just mm. basically bolted for about three quarters of the race and then just sort of hung on at the, at the end. Um, he hasn't been seen since, which tells you there's a problem. And he finished fifth. It was just too bad to be true. Been away for a while. Comes back in here off a mark of 131. That win at Newbury came against Itak Blue, rated 114, half dozen 114, and Tapley 117, and who's been winning off 117. Now, the form at the time looks brilliant because Itak Blue was a big talking horse, as was half dozen. In retrospect, it perhaps wasn't as hot as we think, but I still think he put them away by 14 lengths and with absolute ease. He's definitely better than 131. The question just is whether he's retained his ability or whether that issue that clearly affected him at Newbury last time still lingers. But at around about four or five to one, I'm more than happy to take my chance to the next best with Jet Powered in the 140 at Newbury. Brilliant. That's uh, looking forward to seeing both um, personal ambition and jet powered. Although 
was surprised, and maybe uh, I can I can take it from there um, that you didn't put up under control, only because we know that you we you've got bigger uh, support for her considering she was part of our jumps preview. Another plug for the jumps preview. We've had a lot of horses already come out and win, but she does run in the Jerry Field, and she is my next best. Thoughts on her uh, profile for this, considering Nikki Henderson's exceptionally strong. Oh, I'll just give you my reasons why I'm putting her up. Exceptionally strong rec- record in this race, especially with his uh, fillies as well. Obviously, got a quite an interesting sort in Brentford Hope and um, taking her on. Um, and she does have to give him weight as well. But form wise, you have to think that she has a very solid profile as Brentford Hope has got 11 pounds uh, more on his back considering he won at Newbury off the mark of 122. So under control, are you happy just to watching brief or am I barking mad? No, you're not, you're not barking mad. It was just a little bit the price. And I do think Brentford Hope is a horse with more scope. He's a hundred something rate on the flat. And if you add 40 to a hundred, he's mm-hmm. still perhaps well handicapped. And just, and this is, you know, TC has his not backing after letters. I'm always just a little bit cautious about Mayor's Phillies first time out. When the, your weather is changing, it's gone from quite warm to, to very cold. That can just knock the odd filly in Mayor um, at this time of year. So it was just the fact she was short enough. I'd already mentioned her. As I had Bally Breeze, actually, it was really generous of TC not to mention that he was a, a chaser to follow that I put up running over hurdles, having fallen over fences um so yeah I, I, i'd be really excited to see a win and the form has been well boosted hasn't mm-hmm. it by Virico lord yeah. um but it was just a bit bit short at the price in a competitive race first time out as a mayor filly at this time of year when it's gone cold yeah well you can either take that view or, or join me in, in in going with her i think if you're going to play newbury or going to newbury she should definitely be in your selections um i think she's a really exciting filly who did a lot in a short space of time um, at the beginning of the of the year and hopefully like to see what she looks like, you know, strengthen up and condition wise. But uh, this is a race that Nikki Henderson has farmed in years gone by. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how she gets on. Uh, she's actually my next best, my nap. And I don't know what price he'll be. He might be a price, which is you know, everyone's going to laugh. If they say, why on earth would you put a horse up at that very, very short price? But Willie Mullins has had a few horses beaten at short prices over the last few days. Strangely, either down to rides or horses just not being good enough. And I don't think Ballyburn has it completely uh, straightforward in the maiden hurdle at Ferry House at 12.50. I wouldn't want him to be um, long odds on but I think if you can get even money around that then he'd be worth it he's a horse that came with a massive reputation they've gone the very softly softly approach he won at Punchestown where he was last seen that form has taken a bit of knocking but the third horse has come out and bolted up on his first start over hurdles but there's a really interesting selection of horses like Sir Gordon Elliott has got Firefox Helvick Dream who's a 105 rated on the flat is now going hurdling for Noel Mead so it's not an absolute walkover I think it would be an interesting race but Ballyburn has been a horse I've been looking forward to coming out and seeing what he can do over hurdles he is a point-to-point winner for Paul Townend and Willie Mullins so that's it we hope we have give you another week to enjoy after the back of last week. And hopefully you've got a bit of money in your um, SBK accounts after what we were able to find. Um, but if you are a new SBK user and you've come to us for the first time, hope you've enjoyed the podcast. You will get £30 in free bets when you sign up and bet £10 for the first time. And head to SBK for lots of other offers and promotions throughout the weekend. We're back every week, so we'll see you then. But make sure you subscribe to whatever podcast channel you listen to so you don't forget. Thanks, Ross, and thanks to TC, and we'll see you next week.